Thank you so much for listening, for tuning in. The doldrums of summer are now over. For those of you who may not be familiar with a track that was our own Ron Artest with a single Champions, which he recorded back in 2010 um, and released right after the team won the championship. So if you don't have it, if you don't know it, go to iTunes and pick it up. It's been a crazy, crazy offseason for the team this year. My goodness. I, um, I really wanted to come back and do a podcast right after we, we signed Steve Nash, uh, but there was so much talk about this, this Dwight Howard stuff. I didn't want to do one and then like the next day have something go down with Dwight and then have the podcast be moot or outdated immediately. So I kind of waited for the other shoe to drop, per se. But now, finally, I think the dust has all settled. Everything is is pretty much done as far as the wheeling and dealing in free agency, and it looks like we have ourselves a team. Um, my goodness, do we have a team now. Let's uh, let's well let's start off with the biggest the biggest event I believe, which is getting Steve Nash. I mean this this was huge, so huge. I mean this this is uh, the deal that I think is going to make everything work. Now, obviously, uh, Steve is old. He's older. He's thirty eight. 39 I think he's 38 um getting up there we all uh, we all know he's had back issues um for a number of years uh but even though um those things are true he his production has not dipped uh, in the last few years that he's been with the Suns I mean he's he's one of the best shooters not only in the league but in in the history of the NBA one of the all-time best shooters um, and obviously an incredible, incredibly intelligent guy, incredible basketball IQ, and exactly, exactly what we needed to to run this team. You know, we couldn't get we couldn't get Chris Paul, so we got not even the next best thing, but possibly, I mean, better. Assuming health doesn't play into it, I mean, just just as good um, as the Chris Paul deal would have been, and with the bonus that we got to keep Powell. So this this could not have worked out better, I believe, for the team. Um it's it's gonna help it's gonna help everything. Obviously he's a great shooter. He's gonna have open looks. We the team had a really hard time uh with outside shots uh last year. It was one of our Achilles heels that really, really hurt us. 
uh, the whole year, and especially in the playoffs, not having outside shooting, and people just get in there and cloud, crowd the paint, take away the bigs, and then what do we what do we have? We can't make an outside shot, so uh, yeah, we're kind of shut down. We're extremely limited in that sense, and we have really, really addressed that problem. Not only not only with Steve Nash, but uh, we'll get to the others um, in a second. I I didn't think there was any way any way possibly we were going to get Steve Nash. I mean, I knew he was kind of up for grabs because Phoenix was kind of moving on and he was getting offers from from other teams. He got a really lucrative offer from Toronto. Um, Wayne Gretzky was in on the negotiations, really working it, trying to get Steve Nash up there, get him back up to Canada, you know, back home. Um, The Knicks made a really generous offer to him. Uh, both offers were worth more money than what what we could could offer him, you know. But I think what it came down to was that, you know, Steve lives in Phoenix. His kids are in Phoenix, and he realized that if he were to sign with Toronto and or if he were to sign with New York, for that matter, um, he wouldn't really get to see his kids too much. Uh, maybe three or four times a season. And but he knew that if he were to sign with the Lakers, that would turn into about three or four times a month. So I think at this stage of where Steve is, I think that that played a, a really big part in his decision making. Um, you know, the Lakers and Suns have been have been rivals, enemies. I mean, Steve Nash has been the bringer of heartbreak for us many many times. We all remember 2005, 2006, 2007. Actually, let's let's just forget 2005. Don't don't forget I even brought that up. Let's not even mention that season. Uh, 2006, 2007. I'm we're both done in at the hands of Steve Nash. He has had some heartbreaking losses to us. So it's really, really. And and then Steve also made the comment about a week before the trade. He made the comment that he really couldn't see himself in a Laker uniform. So, I mean, I figured there's there's no way. There's no way this is happening. I mean, you know, the writing is on the wall. But then I guess when he really started figuring things out and prioritized what he wants in terms of his kids, he uh, the word is he went to his own GM and requested the trade to the Lakers, uh, taking a little bit less money so that he, he knew he could compete for a championship here and he wanted to be closer to his kids. And he had done so much for that organization, so much for, for Phoenix, for the city, for the team. He's been a team player. He's not demanded a trade. He hasn't been a prima donna at all. He's been a team player the whole time. And the GM kind of pretty much did him a solid and traded him to a division rival, you know, which I got I to gotta give him credit for that, you know. For stepping up and and kind of doing right by Steve. I mean, obviously it's great for us, but I think it showed uh, you know some character that he would do that. So, I mean, it's a great thing. It's a great thing for us. Obviously, it's working out fabulous for us. Having Steve being able to run the offense and run the point is is going to change everything. I believe with with the team and how it runs, the things that we were able to do. Um, I mean the fact that as soon as soon as the the Steve Nash trade went down, all of a sudden Powell's value just skyrocketed. I mean Powell has been undeservedly so, and I believe the center of 
trade rumors every single day from the beginning of the season all the way up through the trade deadline in March. And then as soon as the season was done, all the way until this point, every day there's some sort of trade rumor involving Pau Gasol. Got to trade Pau. He's the only thing we can trade. Pau's on the decline. You know, his numbers are all, have all dipped the last two seasons. He's... He's a shell of his former self, and all all these things completely unjustified. I believed. I mean, we didn't we didn't use him. Mike Brown didn't use him nearly in the right way because he was trying to go through through Andrew. He knew he had a little uh, star slash prima donna on the team. He needed to appease him. He knew that Andrew was the future, and Andrew wanted to be the number one or even the number two option. So he tried to make that happen um, and put put Pau down to number three on the back burner and facilitate, and it didn't quite work because Andrew doesn't have really the 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 basketball IQ or the the determination and the will to to do it every night and kind of make it work. You know, and they and they tried to make it work. Pau really tried to make it work with Andrew, but it just it didn't. And his numbers suffered. You know, Pau never complained. He never complained about his numbers going down, his individual numbers going down or, or what was happening, even though he he wasn't really put in the position where he could he could do what he could do. And he got a lot of criticism for it. Um, but all of a sudden, now that Steve Nash is on the team, all of a sudden everybody's starting to realize how important Pow is and how great of an asset he's going to be in the offense that is run by Steve Nash, which is exactly right, I believe. And it was only, and that whole new mind frame of people was only acerbated by the fact that in the Olympics, Kobe made the comment that as long as Kobe is on the Lakers, Pow will be on the Lakers. So Kobe obviously knows his value. I mean, I've I've talked about this in an earlier podcast also. I think Kobe is very aware of what Powell can do, and Kobe has tons of respect for Powell. He always has. There was a uh, kind of a feeling that there was a rift between Kobe and Powell because Kobe called out Powell um, in that last playoff run in the last series versus Oklahoma City, and he was calling out Powell that he wasn't working hard enough or that he needed, he needed more from him or this and that. So people thought, oh, there's a rift there, and are they going to be able to repair their relationship and all that? And there was nothing to, to repair. Their relationship was fine. Kobe knows that Powell is professional. He's a man. He can, And if Kobe calls him out and says he needs to work harder, Powell's going to work harder. And that's exactly what he did. He did it in the Denver series and he did it again in the Oklahoma City series. Kobe knew, he always knew he could never do that with Dwight, or Dwight, sorry, with Andrew. He could never call out Andrew like that and expect Andrew to step up. You know, Andrew would, would step back. He would complain. He would pout, do all those things that he did with no reason. Imagine what he would do if he thought he actually had a reason, if he was being criticized, you know, by bully Kobe Bryant. So that that's what was going down, I think, with uh, with Pow, and this is obviously a great thing. The Steve Nash trade is a great thing for Pow because he's going to be able to be utilized uh, to his strengths. Pow can get him the ball. I mean, Pow and Nash can work the the two man game, and they can work the pick and roll. Obviously, he's going to work it with Dwight, but I mean, Pow is just as capable too, and he's going to be moving with the ball. And I think if anybody still doubts what Pow can do or what he is still capable of doing um you need to go back and just watch any of the olympic games that just happened with pal playing on on for spain i mean he he was a straight up beast 
in every single game. He was the leader of that team, the undisputed leader of that team. Um, and and he, he showed what he can do. I mean, he looked like an all-star. He looked like we all knew he was capable of, of being. So there's no doubt in my mind what, what Powell can do um, and what he's still capable of doing and what he will do in the offense. I mean, he's, he has such, he's such a smart guy. He has such an incredibly strong and high basketball IQ that with, with Kobe, cause Kobe does also, obviously when it was just Kobe and Powell running the two man game back in 09 and, and 2010, when Andrew wasn't really a factor, they were incredible together. But it's once, once they started trying to get Andrew in on that and bring Andrew into the second scoring position, that's, that's when things kind of, kind of fell apart you know so this is uh this is nothing but good i think for pow for the for the team for for steve nash i mean nash has never even played with anybody like pow before and well actually that's not true he when nash was playing uh when he was with dallas and playing with dirk that's um and they they were incredible if you remember that remember those dallas mavericks days when when steve and dirk were both on the team they they were something special to watch, and that's exactly what now Steve has that again with Pow. But imagine that team like the Dallas Mavericks with 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 Dirk and Steve Nash, and then Dwight Howard in the center position, and then oh look over here, there's Kobe Bryant. I mean, forget it. You know, it's 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 unreal. So let's that brings us to to Dwight Howard. I mean, he. I didn't think we had a chance of getting Dwight either, you know. I mean, he's been so back and forth, and he didn't really want to go to the Lakers. He wanted to go to Brooklyn, but Brooklyn couldn't, didn't have the assets. And the, they had a new GM who was trying to kind of fluff his feathers up and make a name for himself because he knew that forever he was going to be judged by this, what he got for Dwight Howard, how he handled this situation. And um, it was long and, and painful, but... Mitch Kupchak and and Jim Buss really uh, did a great job. I thought they, um, li- like true poker players, because obviously we know Dr. Jerry Buss, if if he's anything, he's a really good poker player. And I think they did a really good job of kind of holding their hand and not not jumping the gun, not giving up too much. And obviously when or- when Orlando said, okay, we'll take Andrew, we want, we want Andrew and Powell, they said, sorry, nope, it's off the table, we're not going to do it. And they didn't give in on that. And finally, you know, Orlando had no choice but to pull the pull the trigger. And it took four teams to do it for them to get what they wanted too. But ultimately, you know, we made it happen. And uh, I think all the credit in the world needs to go to Mitch and and Jim. And I, there's been a lot of criticism also on in Jim Buss, you know, for I mean, by me. In particular, you know, I've been really critical of him. I thought he was kind of going to bring the whole thing down and the whole situation was bad. I thought Mitch was going to leave. There was rumblings about that for a little while. And I was really scared that that was going to happen and that that Jim didn't know how to treat people. He was making all these firings and not communicating with people. The the debacle with uh, with Brian Shaw and all that that business and and really I think it it all just came down to the fact that he he wasn't aware of the kind of communication that needed to happen um 
for these things to go down. I think he knew that he had to make these decisions, but he wasn't aware that you ne- also you got to actually talk to people and communicate with people because he's he's hasn't been in this position for that long. You know, he's kind of learning the ropes, but I think he's starting to do that much better now. You know, and he started it started by him starting to do much more media, which helped kind of get get his persona out there and get people to know him a little better and know that he's not the bad guy. He wasn't the guy that just said, we're never going to trade Andrew Bynum because he's my guy. I drafted him and we're always going to keep him. I mean, that obviously didn't happen. He traded Andrew for Dwight Howard, you know, and and I think it's great. I think it's a, it's a success. It's not him giving up on his guy. It's the fact that we he he was most responsible for us drafting Andrew you know, as a 17-year-old, and we groomed him for seven years so that we could get Dwight. I mean, we didn't probably didn't know that at the time, but that's how it worked out, and good deal, you know. I say great job, Jim, and great job, Mitch. Thank you for that. Um, okay, some other acquisitions that we got. Um, Anton Jameson. Okay, I think this, this is also huge. Um, the fact that we, we're going to have him coming off the bench. He comes over from Cleveland. He's a perfect backup for Powell. And I, he, can, he can score. I mean, he can score 15, 20 points a game in his sleep. I mean, that's what he does, you know. So I think he's going to be a perfect guy coming off the bench because we all know one, one of the other Achilles heels that the Lakers had last year besides our outside shooting was our bench, our bench I mean, let's be real. Our bench sucked. I mean, it was it was painful, painful. I mean, that last game, the the last game of the season when we lost to Oklahoma City. I mean, we were in that game until we had to sit Kobe down. We just had to sit him down and rest him for like two minutes. And in that two minutes, OKC went on a 10-0 run, and that was it. That was the game. By the time we got Kobe back in, it was it was done. You know, because. We couldn't run like that. I mean, we had a decent starting five, but beyond that, I mean, Mike Brown only went three deep on the bench. I mean, you you just can't win like that. Every championship team has to have a solid, a solid bench, and uh, we did not. Anton Jameson is the perfect. The, was the great first step in solidifying our new bench. Um, I think he's. I think he's going to be great. There's a lot of talk right now on whether or not he should start if Dwight isn't ready for the season uh, because Dwight's still dealing with his recovering from his back surgery. Um, I say I say no. I don't think he should. I think he is going to be the leader of that bench, and he needs to. That's where he needs to be. Um, I don't think we need him to to start for Dwight. I think. Um, Jordan was going to do a fine a fine job of that. And this is another great thing that happened in the offseason was we re-signed Jordan Hill. Jordan was a free agent, and Jordan got some good offers from other teams, obviously. And Jordan, to his credit, chose to come back. He took less money to come back to the team to try to win a championship. I loved his play last year. He was like a throw-in on, on the tr- at the trade deadline when we made the, the trade right around Ramon Sessions. And he just came out and played like gangbusters and was incredibly effective, incredibly effective defending the pick and roll better than Andrew. You know, was a good shot blocker and and had some offense. Great energy off the bench. Just fabulous. And I'm so, so glad that we re-signed him. 
That's that's huge for us. Him backing up Dwight is going to be huge. And I think he's more than capable of, of starting in that center position um, until until Dwight's ready to come back, you know? And I think as long as we need to wait for Dwight to be 100% is, is how long we should wait. I don't think we need to rush getting him back. I don't think we need to, we need to worry about, you know, chemistry or he's got to gel with the team or all that stuff. If he's... I mean, obviously, I want him on the floor, and I want the starting five on the floor, and I want to see them play together. Yes, but I mean, your your back—that's you don't mess with your back. You know, that's not like a a torn muscle. I mean, your back—that's your whole body right there. I mean, everything—it it affects every single thing that you do in your back. So he's got to get one hundred percent healthy. I think before we need to even think about about bringing him back and I'm totally fine with that. I have I have no problem with that whatsoever. As long as he's 100% good by the time he comes back, he can come back in mid December. You know, that's all all good. All good because it's all about the end of the year, not the beginning of the year. Lakers always start off hot. Every year we start off amazing. Oh my gosh, it's going to be a great season. Oh, we're going to make win the championship. Uh and then boom, nothing. So that's all good. All right. So after uh, Anton, we signed Jody Meeks, which is also an incredible acquisition, I believe. Um, Jody's basically going to be backing up Kobe. Now, the one thing, the gr- one of the great things about Jody Meeks, which we did not have in, uh, let's see, who was backing up Kobe last year? Goudlock, I think, was took some turns backing up Kobe. Darius Morris took some shots backing up Kobe. And basically, Jody Meeks can score he can shoot the ball he's confident he's a confident shooter and he has great offensive skills he can even score off the dribble but he's a great um a great shooter and that's exactly what we need again scoring from the bench mike brown is a really really good defensive coach and he is going to get the team ready defensively that's what we need him for offense we're going to be able to score points Okay, we're going to be able to score points. We need a strong defensive design and technique and attitude, which I believe uh, Mike Brown is the perfect coach to get that for us. So I think Jody Meeks is, is the perfect addition to to back up Kobe. And then we also have Steve Blake, who is still under contract, becomes the perfect backup to Steve Nash. I mean, he's very similar in his game anyway. I mean, I'm not saying Steve Blake is as good as Steve Nash by far, but in terms of you know build and attitude and smarts, um, I think it's perfect. I think Steve 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 is going to learn tons from Steve. Um, I think it's going to be a great situation for Steve Blake to be um, to be playing playing against Steve Nash in practice and backing him up in the games. I think it's going to be it's going to be fabulous. Um, I always liked the way the way Steve Blake ran the point last year. You know, coming off the bench. I think he's going to do nothing but get better um, this year. So it's it's just all positive. Another great, great acquisition that we got was re-signing Devin Ebanks. I think that was, that was also huge because we weren't sure if that was going to happen. That was a possibility that Devin was going to get thrown into the trade with Andrew to go for Dwight Howard, and there was holdup. The reason Devin didn't play in the summer league was because he wasn't sure if he was going to be part of that trade. So he hadn't re-signed with the team 
until he knew what was going on with that. And when he wasn't part of the train, he immediately resigned with the team, and uh, which is which is fabulous. I think he's going to be great. He can he can back up uh, back up MWP, and I mean he's got good skills. He really uh, came a long way last year with asserting himself. Uh, on the team and establishing a role for himself and he's he's young he's energetic he's smart um i think it's it's great so with that i mean with with devin coming up backing up mwp jordan's backing up dwight jody's backing up kobe and anton is backing up pow i mean right there we're 10 deep we're 10 deep i mean we were only eight deep in the playoffs last year, you know, and we're already we're already ten and, and a good ten deep, like with a good solid bench. I mean, this this is one of the best. This looks like one of the best benches that I know of. I mean, on any team. I mean, the 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 talent that we have there, the way that the pieces fit together. I mean, talk about hitting a home run, Mitch and and Jim. I mean, I it's not just you know, Steve Nash, Dwight Howard. I mean, it's just as much these other guys, I think, that's going to attribute to our success if we have it this year. It's going to be just as much from from Anton Jameson, from Jody, from Jordan, and from Devin, and continued improvement from Steve Blake. You know, it's going to be just as important as the play we're going to get from Steve Nash and Dwight Howard. It's fabulous, fabulous, fabulous that we have a bench. I could not be more excited than I am right now. Now, that all that being said, all those 10 guys we just talked about, that's not even including. We got two two guys from Orlando with Dwight. We got Chris Duhon and, and Earl Clark. Both of them perfectly capable of coming off the bench. I mean, Chris Duhon had better numbers from three than Steve Nash. He shot, I think, uh, 42% from three last year. Steve Nash shot 39%. You know, and 42 from three is better than any player on last year's Lakers team. Any player. And right now he's like, what, 11? Number, I mean, come on. The, it's incredible. I mean, and then there's our, our draft picks this year. You know, I mean, we don't have a good uh, track record of playing draft picks. Um, Phil never liked to play rookies. But, I mean, who knows? We drafted this guy, Darius Johnson Odom, with, like, by f- possibly the best name in all of the NBA. Um, you know, he's he's smaller. He's, he's like, 6'2", I think. But he's a physical guy. He plays he plays great defense. Um, you know, he's a gutsy, gutsy, get out, get in there and do the dirty work type of guy. Uh, Robert Sacre, we got seven-footer. You know, from Gonzaga, Gonzaga. You know, the which uh, was from um, Roni. You know, play played with him. Kind of considers himself to be that kind of a of a player. All heart, leave it on the floor player. I mean, you can't argue with that. Who doesn't? Who doesn't need that? So, these are guys that we don't even know are going to make the team. You know, and they they're they're solid guys. You know, Darius Morris, what's going to happen with Darius Morris? Is he even going to be on the team? Is he going to make the team? You know, I don't know. Andrew Goudlock, you know, what's going to happen with him? These are guys that showed flashes of excellence last year. Flashes. They weren't consistent. They couldn't stay consistent, which is why Mike Brown didn't have them in the uh, in the lineup come playoff time. But 
who know, I mean, who knows? Training camp is going to be great because all these guys are going to be fighting for a roster spot, fighting for, to find a place on the team, giving their best, and uh, it's going to be a great, a great thing, a great environment. Um, Troy Murphy, I mean, what's he still on? I, I can't really see Troy being on the team when everything is said and done. We're going to have to to cut some guys, obviously, because we're 16 right now. Um, we're going to have to take it down to 14 at the most. You know, we could even go 13. Um, so, you know, somebody's not going to make the cut, but the talent, the talent is definitely there. I mean, the personnel is there. I mean, there's a lot of talk about, oh, on paper, the Lakers are this and the Lakers are that, you know, and there's, there's, uh, there's truth to that. It's just paper. Paper doesn't win championships. Okay. Just because we have this lineup doesn't mean that, doesn't mean that we're going to go out and, you know, all of a sudden just win because of of who we are it's not going to happen you know we have to find a way to make this thing work find a way to get these guys to play together i mean we've kind of felt this way in 2004 when when we when we got the mailman carl malone and gary payton brought him in to play with kobe and Shaq. oh my gosh it's forget it there's no way we're not going to win a championship and we didn't win a championship you know, you got to play the game. You got to work, learn how to work together. And we had injuries that year. When Carl went down, that was pretty much uh, sealed the deal for us. You know, and so we got, we got some guys who, you know, you never know. I mean, Steve Nash is old. He's having, he's had back problems before. Dwight Howard's just coming off of back surgery. I mean, there's a chance for injury, you know, and injuries could change everything. So there's no guaranteed. That guarantees. I don't. I don't agree with saying. Oh, the Lakers are the favorites to win the championship now. You know, no. We we have everything to prove. Nothing is gonna should be given to us. The Miami Heat are the champions. They they are the champions. They're the best team. So we have to go through them. Oklahoma City is amazing. We have to go through them. We have to prove ourselves on the court. Okay, so. I don't want to sit here and say we're going to win anything because nothing nothing is in the bag. You know, we got to we got to play the game. We got to bring it every night and play the game, but I tell you it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun and it's going to be it's going to be a beautiful thing. I cannot wait. So, let's get to the questions. I got some good um good questions here. Let's see. The first group of questions comes from uh from Julio. Julio has some some great questions. He says, "Can can Mike Brown handle the team? Will Dwight remain healthy? Can the Lakers make the adjustments needed with the new squad this year to bring it home? And where does world peace fit now?" All fabulous questions, Julio. Thank you. Let me hit them one by one. So, can Mike Brown handle this team? Uh, I think he can. Um, obviously, I'm not. Nobody is is arguing that Mike Brown is the kind of uh, coach that, that Phil Jackson was. He's, he doesn't have the same type of offensive mind, um, but that's okay. He doesn't, he doesn't have to. Um, Mike, the good thing about Mike Brown, I think, well, one, he's, he's a hard worker. He's incredibly motivated, and he's prepared. Um, so one thing that he does, which is great, is he know, he's smart enough to know what he doesn't know. So he, which means he's smart enough to bring in people around him who 
are smarter than him or as smart as him. And people who are good, the best at what they do, bringing them in and putting them in position to be able to do what they do. Okay, that's what that's what he does. He did that last year with his coaching staff, and I think he's doing the same thing this year, which is great. He's made some great additions to his coaching staff this year. We brought in Bernie Bickerstaff, Eddie Jordan, and Steve Clifford uh, to be his assistant coaches um, to add to the assistant coaching staff, which which is great. I mean, Eddie Jordan was a former head coach, um, and he's he's a great coach, um, a good motivator. Um, a, a coach that people respect, and I think he's going to really be um, a good addition to the coaching staff, uh, and he's going to work with Mike well, I think. Uh, he also brought in Steve Clifford, who was a coach on the Magic, who I think I think that's great because obviously Steve Clifford knows how to work with Dwight. He's experienced with it. He knows how to get the other guys, you know, meshed into what his tendencies are, what he, what he does, how to work with him, and I think that's going to be a great addition. Um, to his to his coaching staff. I mean, Mike Mike Brown is a defensive coach. Okay, he has defensive philosophies that he's want tried to instill last year, but because he didn't have a training camp, he didn't have an off season. There's no way he could install all the a brand a brand new system, basically a brand new philosophy, a brand new system than what the team had been doing for you know almost ten years. So and to do that with no training camp and no off season is practically impossible. I mean, and it, it took us months to really kind of gel as a team, and we kind of never really did in terms of being consistently defensively on the same page. With the kind of scores that we have on the team, offense is not going to be a problem. We need to be consistent and clear defensively on our defensive philosophy and assignments, and I think that's that's going to be the key to success. And I think that's something that I believe that Mike Brown can do. And another thing is that he, I mentioned before that he's motivated. He he is incredibly motivated. We got to remember, you know, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, since we got this super team, like, all right, Lakers are going to go for championship number seventeen. You know, Kobe's going to get number six, and all these all these things like that. It's we got to we got to remember, Mike Brown has not won a championship. Mike Brown does not have a ring, so he is very motivated to get that for himself. He he has not tasted that that taste of, of a championship. So he wants that. Steve Nash has not had a championship. You know, he does not have a ring. Dwight Howard does not have a ring. These guys are going to be so incredibly motivated because they don't have rings. Ron Artest does not have a ring because he gave his away in 2010 to charity, which was a great thing that he did. But and then we were eliminated the, the next two years. So uh, even though Ron did win uh, in 2010, he does not have a ring either. So he he wants it. There's there's guys that want this and they want it bad. So it's a good it's a good situation. Um, will Dwight remain healthy? Well, that's that's I mean, that's a hard question to ask. Um, there's really no way to tell. Um, other than I think the Lakers have one of the best training staffs in in the league. I mean, they've done wonders with with Kobe extending his career um, as long as he have, and he's had Kobe has had back problems, bad back spasms, and 
and things that they have have gotten him through, and 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 the same thing with uh, Ron Artest, Metal World Peace. He had some serious back problems um, a couple years ago, and uh, they have been able to get him through that too. So I think that's fabulous, bringing in two guys who con- could conceivably have back issues. Um, I feel I'm real confident in our in our training staff that we can get keep our guys healthy. I think there's no reason to think that um, that they won't. Uh, can the Lakers make the adjustments needed with the new squad this year to bring it home? Um, I, I believe without question, because like I said, one, we're going to have training camp. We have the, we have the preseason. We have so much more time and opportunity to instill these things and get the team figuring out how to, how to work together. But the best thing that we have in terms of making adjustments needed for the people to play together is we have Steve Nash. Steve is going to run the show. He's gonna he's gonna run the offense, and he's gonna know how to make guys better. He's gonna know how to get guys in the right place and get the ball inside. Um, I think that's gonna make gonna make all the difference. Um, Julio's last question is where does World Peace fit in now? I mean that's a good question. I mean what happens to World Peace? You've got four, you know, potential Hall of Famers <laughs> on the team, and then uh, Metal World Peace. Well, when if your fifth option on the team is a former defensive player of the year, former all-star. I think you're you're in good shape. Um what what Ron, what Metal World Peace is going to have to figure out is how the heck did why always get so open? That's going to be his biggest problem because he's going to be open and he he's been working on his his jump shot. Uh, in the off season, which is exactly what he should be doing, because he's going to be open. He's going to have those opportunities defensively, with him and and Dwight Howard and Kobe all on the same team. I mean, that's a scary thought. But on the offensive end, the fact that every everything is going to be running through the through the bigs and Kobe and Nash, and then Meta is just going to be open on the outside, and he can knock down those shots like he was doing. He started to get do consistently last year. Especially when Kobe went out for a little while, I mean, it's it's going to be easy, easy for him. It's going to be target practice, you know. I think he's going to fit in fabulous. He didn't come into shape last year, and he didn't come into the season in shape because, you know, like most players, he had no idea there was going to be a season, and he didn't keep himself in shape. And then all of a sudden, we were going to have a season. It started in two weeks, no training camp. You know, he came in out of shape, and he knew it. And he worked himself back into shape, and by by midseason, he was he was great. He's um, making sure that he's coming into camp this year as in shape, if not more, than he was at midseason last year. I mean, he's already there right now. He's dropped more weight. He's in the gym. He's working on his jump shot. He is going to be ready, one hundred percent ready to go. So, nothing but good is coming out of that. Uh, my last questions is from from Gabe. Good friend, and Gabe has some great questions. Gabe says, how long is it going to take this team to mesh, and what's the new offensive scheme that they're talking about using? Do they think they should even have a scheme at all or just let Steve Nash run the show? <laughs> these are these are great, great questions from Gabe. First of all, how long will it take this team to mesh? <coughs> that's, that's hard to say. Um, I hope not long, but... It, it may take longer than people want to think about. You know, we want to have this new team, have them come out on opening night and be in jail together and be ama- as amazing as they are in our minds. But it may not 
work like that. It may not. It probably won't work like that. Okay, it's gonna take this team a little while to to mesh and to figure each other out and figure out how to work together. It's not gonna all just happen in training camp. I mean, it's gonna be a, a great thing that we have training camp, but it's it's not the end all be all of meshing a team. The teams that we're <clears throat> competing with and looking to beat Miami, pretty much the same starting team, starting five. Well, starting three as they've had for a number of years. They know each other. They know how each other plays. They don't have to worry about gelling together. Look at Oklahoma City. They've been together for a long time also. They don't have to worry about gelling together. They've got three guys on that team who just won Olympic medals. You know, they're meshed. You know, so we're we're not going to be as as meshed as a team as those guys when the season starts. It's just not going to happen. It's going to take a little while. Um and and we have to just expect that. I mean, that's okay. I think that's okay. I think, I mean, Thanksgiving, Christmas. By the time we get to Christmas, I think hopefully the team will be meshed and gelling the way we want it to be. That's that's kind of my personal time frame in my mind in terms of how long till everybody really starts meshing together, and and it could be longer than that if Dwight ends up not being able to start the season. If we have to wait for him to come in until about that time, Thanksgiving, Christmas, then you know it might take a little bit longer to mesh things in with him. Then we're moving into to early 2013 area, you know. So that that may happen. I think we should kind of be prepared for that, you know. That it's it's not it probably is not going to be all roses and winds all the time right away, you know. We're gonna have to figure it out. But I think I think they will. I have there's no reason to think that they won't figure it out. But it may not happen right at the beginning of the season. Uh, Gabe's last question is: What's this new offensive scheme they're talking about using? And do you think they should they should even worry about having an offense or just let Steve Nash run the show? Okay, two parts to that question. One, the uh, the offense that they're running is the Princeton offense. Okay, they're installing that this year, which I think is great. It's a great offense to utilize Steve, Ma- Steve Nash, utilize the pick and roll, utilize the bigs that we have. Um, it's, it's slightly different than what we've been doing before, but it's not incredibly complicated. Um, Kobe's played it before. He understands it. Most of the guys understand the Princeton offense. Um, I know Steve Nash does. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a great fit for them. And it's going to work uh, well to exploit the talents that we have. Um, should we even have a scheme or just let Steve Nash run the show? Well, obviously, we need to have an offensive philosophy. But that being said, Steve Nash is going to run the show. Uh, Mike Brown was just quoted just today is saying that he's going to let Steve Nash call the plays uh, offensively on the court. Which, again, he's smart enough to know what he doesn't know and smart enough to let people who are good at what they do do their jobs. So, and that's what he's already doing. He did it with hiring the coaching staff, and he's doing it with already saying that he's going to, that obviously he's going to give Steve the reins to call the plays on the offense, which I think is great. And I mean, with th- those three basketball minds on the court, with Steve Nash, Kobe, and Powell, uh, they're going to figure this out. They're going to figure it out, no problem. Um, I think Dwight is going to fit right into that. He, I know he's, he's gotten a lot of flack for uh, kind of being a little bit of a prima donna with this whole trade business. And, you know, it is what it is. It's hard to tell what's what with the media and everything. But he hasn't had problems that I've seen 
on the floor. When he's on the floor, he's working and he's giving his all. And that we could not say that about Andrew. And that was my biggest problem with Andrew that I do I do not think it's going to be a problem with Dwight. He's going to get his touches. He's going to get the ball. Um, he's going to be on a better team than he's ever ever played on before. And it how could it not be fun for him? You know, I'm not worried about him uh, re-signing or extending. Obviously, there's been a lot of media talk about, oh, Dwight's refused to sign an extension. Or, oh, what are we going to do? That's all just media BS. I mean, not that it's not it's BS because it's kind of true, but it doesn't mean what they imply it to mean. Of course, he's not going to sign an extension. One, he's not allowed to sign an extension before he signs with the team. And there would be no reason for him to anyway. Just him not signing an extension before he even signs his contract doesn't mean that he's not going to sign. It doesn't mean he's not going to re-sign with the Lakers. Waiting for free agency at the end of next season just means he can sign for more money with the Lakers. I mean, there's no reason that he, he wouldn't. We're going to be able to offer him a max deal, you know, unless things completely fall apart this year, in which case we might not want him anyway. So there you go. So there's no problem. It's, it's a win-win situation. There's, he's doing the right thing. He's doing what anybody would do and what anybody would expect anybody to do. So all that talk about refusing to sign an extension, he's going to leave, that's, that's just, just immediate talk. That doesn't mean anything. It's all blown out of proportion. So there you go. All right. I, I had like five billion things I wanted, I've been wanting to talk about for the last month. I've hit on about maybe 15 to 20 of them. So I'm going to leave it at that so that I have some, uh, some other material to, to do starting with the next podcast, which hopefully now that the team is settled and things are, are kind of set, maybe we can go back to doing it at a little bit more of a regular basis so thank you so much for listening i can't wait for the season the season to start preseason starts mid-october in fresno go to fresno see the lakers go to ontario they're playing everywhere that you can go see them check them out the season beginning is going to be just around the corner thanks for listening go lakers moment of silence for the champion they say we warriors they say we did it again hands high for the champion we are victorious we only in it to win stand up for the champion no surrender and no retreat we take the battlefield over every time they clap your hands for the champion we came we saw we conquered everything inside moment of silence for the champion hey.